Realtor.com is making a stand for buyer representation, and you can too. Join Realtor.com in sharing the list of 111 things buyer's agents do. Visit Realtor.com slash buyer agent toolkit to help spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. We transitioned from talking about sales volume a couple of years ago to GCI. This is what my GCI goal is. This is what my gross commission income goal is because it just made agents more aware of the value proposition when they go in and talk with the seller and a buyer of this is what I'm going to bring to the table. And I am worth this full amount that I'm asking for. And this is the benefit that you're going to get from working with me. But it also brought to their attention how much they were whittling after they got something under contract to make a deal together. Not to say that they don't do it anymore, but it just makes it more conscious of how it impacts their bottom line and how that goes to how they support their family. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share trends, their secrets to success, and the lessons they learn navigating this ever-changing industry. Before we begin, here's a word from our sponsor. Building a business is a lot like building a house. It's important to have a strong foundation. If you're a real estate agent, that includes partnering with an independent mortgage broker, someone in your area who can shop multiple lenders and provide your buyers with faster closings, lower wholesale rates, and lower monthly payments. Find your local mortgage partner today at findamortgagebroker.com. Powered by United Wholesale Mortgage LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS number 3308. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds in real estate about leadership, business growth, trends, and strategy. I'm your host, Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends. Today, I'd like to welcome Anna Marie Ellison with ERA King Real Estate in Alabama. Anna Marie was named a 2022 Real Trends Game Changer for achieving 41% growth by transaction side percentage over the past five years. So welcome, Anna Marie. Thank you very much for having me, Tracy. Yeah, thanks for being here. So I want to talk a little bit about the evolution of the brokerage, um, how you got involved and kind of your lessons learned during your transition um, to leadership. So, yes, I have been licensed since 2006. I started um, selling like everybody or like a lot of other people do in real estate. Mm -hmm. And I had gotten to a place where I just wanted a little bit more. And I walked up to Mr. King or I met with Mr. King Everett and said, Hey, the owner of the company and said, Hey, I, I want some more. I want some leadership. I want some more responsibility. And um, he will tell you, he's never had anybody actually walk up to him and say, Hey, can I have more responsibility? And so I was fortunate. He allowed me to have a courtesy interview because they were interviewing for a broker at the time. And I had zero experience. I just knew the culture of the company, the history of the company, uh, the institutional knowledge of how the company worked. And I interviewed and at the very, very end of it, um, he said, well, do you have anything else to add? And I said, I do. I said, you know, I know that I don't have any um, brokerage management experience, but I have something that none of these other brokerages, but brokers that you're talking to have. And he said, well, what's that? And I said, 
I know your culture. I believe in your culture and I can grow this company and maintain this culture that you've built. And he couldn't forget that. And um, he brought me on with an incredibly short leash. And now um, we have this amazing plan uh, for Josh and I to continue to grow King Real Estate. So, Okay. And and for our um, audience who doesn't, they don't know who Josh is. So explain the two of you and where you are in that succession plan. Um, well, Josh and I feel we're in the succession plan. I don't know that Everett's ready to admit that we're in the succession plan. <laughs> Josh Wright is my partner and he is uh, Everett's stepson. He started on this journey in the management journey uh, about two years before I did. Mm-hmm. And he is the CEO and I'm the managing partner for the company. I handle all the real estate side and he makes sure that all of our ancillary and family of King companies are operating. Okay, great. Um, so talk to me about how many agents do you have right now and what is your plan for growth in the coming year? So we have, um, you know, we hover currently, we're hovering around 200. Sometimes that's 198, sometimes that's 205. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're about to have, I'm not sure, can I talk about a time frame, Tracy? Is that okay? Or are you going to yeah. cut it from the podcast? Okay. So this time of year is when, if you're from the South, you're familiar of what the the hedging of your crepe myrtles look like. You completely come in and scalp them so that they come back the next year blooming. This is about that time we do that with our agents and just say, hey, you know, this is probably not a career for you because you haven't closed anything. So our our agent count goes down, but our PPP goes through the roof when that happens. So um, we uh, are looking at continuing to invest in the agents who have already committed to us, uh, our leadership team, our broker team, the admin team, the marketing team, the business development team, all of them are consciously pouring into the agents who have already committed to us and making sure that their business is growing and that the business that they want to run is uh, running the way they want it to. I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by some individuals that love working with some independent small businesses, which is basically what your 1099 agent is. And um, so our plan is to continue to help those agents grow, make sure that they are treating this as a career, uh, that this isn't some it isn't a gig for them. And that's the way our business model works and um, that they can continue to support their families and they are achieving their why. Okay. So, so your focus is obviously you're always focused on recruiting new agents who are appropriate with your, you know, for your culture and and that, but it sounds to me like M&A isn't really high on your list that you're really focusing on per agent productivity in your growth. Is that correct? Well, I mean, we're never not looking at other companies in the market or market uh, parts of the state that we would like to have a presence in. Sure. Okay that we already feel like has some baseline synergies with us. Absolutely. We would love to talk to them to see if working together is better than us working on our own. Um, uh, We had the opportunity to have a lot of resources available to us through the Anywhere Network and sharing those with other companies just helps the tide rise for all of the markets that we work in. Why would we would be why would we want to be selfish with some of that information? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, growth is always kind of a multifaceted um, endeavor. So, so yes, um, I can understand what you're, you're, where you're going. And I kind of want to get into that 
per agent productivity. It was um, one of the questions I have a little bit later, but I wanted to talk. I'm going to bring it up to the top because I want we talked about it at the gathering of Eagles and we you talked about personalizing plans for them. And I wanted to go into a little more detail about what exactly you're doing to um, help them achieve uh, and and grow their businesses so that the your PPP is, you know, through the roof. So. Um... We highly encourage the business plan. We have business planning sessions. Um, some of the agents shy away from the word business planning. So we just call it a strategy session. Let's have a regrouping session going into the next year. We have different words that we use for it, but we have some type of heads up meeting with the agents. And we want to know what are what's your goals? Like, what are you looking to do? Uh, some agents uh, know exactly to the penny how much they need to bring home for them to be able to enjoy and support their family and do all the extracurriculars, make their house payment. Uh, majority of agents have a volume goal in mind, but they don't really know what that ties to as far as what that means for their take home. And there's a disconnect there. And doing that business plan helps connect that. So they go, oh, okay, if I only want to close $3 million this year, that's not going to be enough to support my family. I need to regroup. This is what I actually need to sell from a volume standpoint. We transitioned from talking about sales volume a couple of years ago um, to GCI. This is what my GCI goal is. This is what my gross commission income goal is. This is what my gross commission income goal is because it just made agents more aware of the value proposition when they go in and talk with the seller and a buyer of this is what I'm going to bring to the table. And I am worth this full amount that I'm asking for. And this is the benefit that you're going to get from working with me. But it also brought to their attention how much they were whittling after they got something under contract to make a deal together. Not to say that they don't do it anymore, but it just makes it more conscious of how it impacts their bottom line and how that goes to how they support their family. So when we get together with those agents, we tie in that number and go, hey, if you do, this is the GCI that you need in order to meet your financial goals. We can drill it down a little bit further to, and we have a, an extensive spreadsheet that some likes to see, but not everybody's a spreadsheet nerd graph person like I am. And that's perfectly fine. We just have a one page word doc for the people that just need something. Hey, how many people do I need to talk to? How many listing appointments I need to go on? How many people I need to add in my database? Boom, I'm gone. And either way, they both drill down to some very, very early basic lead measures that lead to that lag result of that GCI that they're looking for. Okay. And what about the people who don't necessarily have GCI goals? Their goals may be, I want to, you know, retire next year or whatever it might be. I want to spend more time with my family. Um, obviously it all relates to how much money they're, they're going to be making, but um, how do you, how do you kind of weave those goals into the conversation? So uh, I talked about it on the panel. We do have an agent that um, she's got new grandbabies mm -hmm. and she wants to spend on average three months out of the year with these grandbabies. And so we are figured out a way this year for her to do the volume that the GCI that she wants to do in a shorter amount of time. Well, for those conversations, we need to hustle a little bit harder mm -hmm. on months that maybe she wasn't hustling as hard. Um, but I, we have found that just keeping the goal present in front of them, um, talking with them on a consistent basis, mm -hmm. keeps their goal in front of them. And we don't have, it's not like a lot of 
pressure or oh, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. They come in and they'll go, Hey, I know I was supposed to have three listing appointments. I only had two, but I've got four lined up for next month. And it just becomes a very natural conversation um, that happens between us, the agents and the coaches. And how frequently do you have those conversations? Like once a week, once a month, a couple times a year, you know, what are you, what kind of timeline are you on? You know, the more productive agents, those look like quarterly or high producing agents, the people who are doing a lot of transactions, that's quarterly. And that's just, hey, let's make sure that the stip, the ship is going the direction that you want it to go. Um, all your oars are moving in the right direction. Those look very entrepreneurial, small business. How's your team going? What's your PL look like? That has a more sophisticated conversation to it. Uh, some of the newer agents, depending on the frequency that they would like. It's no less uh, than once a month, but sometimes that can be bi-weekly. And then we've got some small uh, three to one, five to one sessions that occur and those happen weekly. Okay, great. Um, and, And when you put those into place, did you really see a big difference in the productivity of your agents? Yes, our coached agents, which I would love to sit here and tell you that we have 100% of our agents are coached. That is not. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do have 30% of our agents have raised their hand and say, hey, I want this accountability. So we're ecstatic about that number. But those agents outperform the MLS by 114%. That's great. That's great. And I know you said your growth, um, your 41% growth outperformed um, your market as well. So congratulations with that. It yeah. did. I was not aware of how much it outperformed the market. I just yeah. was focusing on our side of the ball, you know, making mm-hmm. sure we're blocking and tackling like we're supposed to, that we're in the gap, that we're executing. And I don't always look up to see, you know, how we are competing to anybody else. It doesn't matter to me. I want to make yeah. sure that we're doing what we need to do with what we have control of them. Yeah. You can only control what you can control, yes. right? <laughs> Um, so I, you, you started, um, kind of in the downturn or or when it was just beginning. So tell me what you learned through that last downturn that you think will help your company thrive, um, in this more normal market that we're moving into. When I got my license in 2006, I heard about these things, these people called order takers, but I had never seen them in practice before. There was not a lot of traction, a lot of transactions going on. All I learned was door knocking, working open houses, actually cultivating and building a relationship with somebody so that you have the opportunity to help them purchase a house, help them get an investment, help them get into a better schools. But building that relationship with them is what's going to give you the expertise and the knowledge and the ability to help them move to that next phase. That piece has gotten lost with the speed of which our industry has been moving here recently due to the lack of inventory on the market. Um, And now that the the inventory hopefully will start increasing, uh, there's many reasons why that's happening, agents are going to have to start going back to building relationships with agents again. Um, brokerages are going to have to go back to building relationships with their agents again and having the experience to kind of work through that and experience it. You know, you always remember the first time something happens is a memorable one and you remember you learn from that. So I feel like that is a unique perspective that I get to bring to the table, especially from a young leader's perspective, because there's not many younger people under 40. We're going to call that younger. Okay. 
under 40 that have had the history and the tenure that I have in this business to be able to has the, the, the stamina to, to do this again from some of the older leadership that the last time they did it, they said, never again, I don't want to do this again. Well, well, potentially maybe here we go. Yeah. Yeah. And I should say that you were a real trends emerging leader this year as well. Um, so congratulations on that. Um, and, um, you know, with those relationships and kind of, I remember hearing a, um, the statistic that I don't know what it was. I, I've heard everything from 40 to 70% of agents join the business since 2010. Um, and I've also heard from brokers that, you know, they're offering this great marketing for their agents and their agents are complaining about it because they don't need it or they haven't needed it because homes are like selling immediately. So by the time they get the flyers or they get the, you know, whatever it is that they're looking for, um, they don't need it. So have you already seen a move toward, you know, agents using your marketing services more frequently than you have in the past than, you know, in this past market? Our agents have never stopped using our marketing services. We just inserted our marketing services early on in the transaction. The agent still relied on us. So going into their coming soon status, we're providing marketing to them. Going into, I'm going on a listed presentation, preemptively building out all of the collateral so the seller can see how quickly the agent is on the game and ready to list their property. And this is the value of listing with this agent and with our company. So instead of waiting, waiting for it to get listed to market, we just moved it way up in the funnel. And hey, on that listing appointment, let's go ahead and do, do these things for you. Um, we have a pretty high um, at-bat winning percentage. And so, yeah, we didn't win them all. And sure, that was wasted marketing, but it was the difference with some sellers as to why they went ahead and chose to go with our company um, because the agent was able to demonstrate what they were able to do. I don't think that's going to go away uh, with the longer time on market and with inventory increasing the agents like that. It was already done for them um, and that they saw the value in our company providing that for them. So early on in the appointment with their client that uh, I don't, we'll, we, we will not go back. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, it's smart to, to move it up so far. Um, and so with the inventory, you know, I've read multiple reports, it's ticking up, it's back down, it's, you know, um, what is your message to agents? Um, and basically, you know, they're seeing the news and they're hearing, oh, recession, recession, recession. Um, they haven't been through a market like we're, we're heading into, um, even though it's not going to be like the great recession market, according to all of the experts. Well, you know, there is some stress and concern um, from some of the agents, I assume. So what is your message to them and how are you helping them through this um, kind of uncertain time? Our message right now is what it has always been. People buy houses, uh, regardless of what the interest rate is, regardless of what the inventory looks like. They're getting married. They're getting divorced. Baby's moving in. Baby's moving out people passing away. That's going to happen regardless of what the interest rates are, regardless of housing affordability. Those people don't care about the Case-Shiller Index. They just need to do something with their property. And that is a majority of the number of transactions that occur in our area, I would assume the United States. And so let's just make sure we're getting our unfair share of those right there. Um, 
some of the things we've been talking about is, you know, the, the word recession is, is has a negative connotation, but when the, the actual description of that, the definition of recession is just a slowdown, a contraction. And I asked them, I go, how many of you would like to be able to plan dinner with your family on Friday night and not have to worry about going to show a house? And they, a number of them raised their hands. I go, how many of y'all missed one of your kids at late after school activities or their graduation activities because you had to hurry up and write an offer? And we get a number of raised their hands. I said, how many of y'all sacrificed date night with your significant other because you've had to rush to get things done? And another, a group of them raised their hand. And I was going, wouldn't that be nice to get to back to a place where you're recharging time, your time with your family, you're able to plan for that again? And I think that especially resonates with some of the single parents out there who mm-hmm. they're doing the best that they can anyway. Um, and being able to not have that anxiety, it lowers their anxiety level, even non-single parents, married parents, non-parents. It just lowers your set, your lowers that anxiety level and gets them to a place where they feel like they are in control and in control of the direction that they're going, obviously professionally, but also in their personal lives too. And it just stabilizes who they are and helps them feel more comfortable. So that's the message that we've been talking to our agents. We'll continue to talk with our agents that a slowdown in this frenzy is not a bad thing. It's going to allow you to catch a breath. Yeah, definitely. Balance. Yes. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk about the industry in general. Um, You know, where do you see the most opportunity for brokerage leaders um, in the next year? The most opportunity for brokerage leaders is uh, previously meant, well, the most, the best, Starting over again, Tracy, because I could okay. edit it out there. When you edit it, it'll won't be like. <laughs> uh, I think opportunities for brokerage leadership in the future is going to go back to building relationships, true, solid, deep relationship with the agents that work um, with you, that partner with you. I think agents, companies of the future, probably not just real estate, but all industries. It's about taking care of the people who have already committed to you. So your brokerage staff, uh, your marketing team, your listing concierge, you know, making sure that their needs are met because we invest a lot of time in developing them and professionally developing them. And agents get kind of funny when new people come in their sandbox and it takes a lot for them to trust handing over pieces of their business to the brokerage. If that's your model, that's our model. Mm -hmm. And so... I want to make sure that we are investing in those people equally as much as we are investing in our agents because they're a, they're a valuable piece of helping our company move forward every day. And um, yeah, making sure that they don't go somewhere else is important. Yeah. Now, um, we didn't really talk about ancillary services. So what um, what are the services that your brokerage offers? We have a title company, a mortgage company, and a pretty large property management company. Okay. And uh, where do you see kind of the opportunity with those services moving forward? To be the best. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't love a 60% capture rate in of your course. Uh, ancillary companies? Though I think if um, our ancillary companies are not named are not tied in name to the, to our real estate company. Mm-hmm. So you know, when we feel we've maxed out our at-bats for our mortgage and our title, I sure would love to capture some of that outside market share too. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, and so do you see any changes in the brokerage environment that change the way you operate or would cause you to add new services to the brokerage moving forward? Um, you know, I guess I would be remiss if I didn't mention the, the, the DOJ that could obviously change the way we operate uh, as a brokerage. We're already in front of those conversations now and presuming that that's going to change or commissions will continue to get shrunk. Mm -hmm. So how are we empowering our agents to show their value proposition on both sides when they represent not just one side? Um, That would be a pretty significant change. Um, That's really all I got for that. I don't think I, I don't think, I mean, real estate's been the way that it's been. Mm -hmm. Zach said for a number of years, um, we are not in an area that we have a lot of iBuyers uh, coming in. We do have some, they're coming mm-hmm. in and purchasing and we partner with a lot of them, but we don't have a lot of that uh, thousand home tract subdivisions where somebody in a cubicle in Boise, Idaho can give a value on what they think that property is worth. Um, we still have you know, we got trains here in Alabama and we've got farmland here in Alabama that affects the value of different properties. Yeah, that's and, um, you know, that's interesting because, you know, every market is different and the I buyers and the power buyers, people assume that, you know, they're necessary in every market, which, of course, you know, that's that's not necessarily true. Um I mean, yeah. I hope I'm wrong, but I hope they're eating up the for sale by owner market, not our, <laughs> not ours. <laughs> yeah. So my last question is just what's next for your brokerage? Uh, what's next for our brokerage? We're going to continue on the um, amazing path that we've been on. Josh and I are incredibly fortunate to have some amazing groundwork laid by Anna Never King. Um, who who were in charge and running this company for the past 50 years uh, before Josh and I took over. And we want to make sure that we are maintaining on that trajectory, but maybe bringing in some more modern technology and uh, some new uh, business thought processes to keep us moving forward, but still matches culturally with who we are uh, at the heart of who we are. Yeah, well, great. Um, Well, Anna-Marie, thanks so much for joining the Real Trending Podcast. It was great having you at the Gathering of Eagles as a panelist. And congratulations on your Emerging Leaders um, Award. Well, thank you very much. And I appreciate you letting me be here today, Tracy. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.